I've got cancer, but I'm part of a clinical trial that could lead to new breakthroughs. I've got cancer, but I've also got researchers working together to find a cure. If you or a loved one has cancer, you need New Jersey's only comprehensive cancer center designated by the National Cancer Institute. I've got cancer, but I've also got hope. Learn more at rwjbh.org slash beatcancer. RWJ Barnabas Health and Rutgers Cancer Institute of New Jersey. Let's beat cancer together. RWJ Barnabas Health, New Jersey's largest academic health care system and official health care provider of the New Jersey Devils. Let's be healthy together. Learn more at rwjbh.org. Hi again, everyone. I'm Matt Lachlan, along with Sam Kassan. Welcome to the latest episode of Speak of the Devils, our weekly podcast brought to you by our good friends at RWJ Barnabas Health. Well, Sam, generally we do a little bit of an extended intro back and forth between you and me, but we've got a special guest today. We're going to cut to the chase because when Scotty Gomez is your guest, you just let him go, right? Absolutely. Never met a more loquacious man in my lifetime. And just the story he has, the memories he shares, I mean, I could talk to that guy for hours upon hours upon hours and just be completely entertained the entire time as our humble listeners will soon find out because he was just rattling off great stories after great memories and just pure entertainment and, and just a great guy too. Obviously we brought him on specifically to talk Hispanic heritage night, but delved into a lot of history with the devils, a lot of the players in the locker room, a lot of great tidbits, a lot of great insight too. I love, love hearing him, love the interview and we'll have to get him on again because he had so much stuff and so much good material I think one show is not enough. For sure, because uh, the well is seemingly uh, unending with with Scotty Gomez. The stories keep flowing. By the way, you did mention the uh, uh, Hispanic Heritage Night. It's part of the Hockey is for Everyone initiatives that not only the New Jersey Devils, but the league celebrates, but for the Devils, a special night because it's the first time we've had an Hispanic Heritage Night. And so, uh, Scotty, proud of that. And uh, we are all uh, proud of that as well as we open our arms and embrace everyone. But without further ado, let's bring in Scotty Gomez as he joins us on this week's show. Scotty Gomez, I guess judging by that San Diego Padres hat on, you're joining us from Southern California. Welcome. How are you doing, man? Thanks for having me, Matty. Yes, you are. That's why you're the smartest in the business. Um, <laughs> Figured I'd represent my Padres. Hopefully, a good. Hopefully, baseball is going to happen. But uh, yeah, I'm at my parents' house here in uh, PB, California. So it's been good. Very nice. Well, listen, you're also sporting the uh, sweater that the Devils will introduce as part of our Hockey is for Everyone initiative. It's our first ever Hispanic Heritage Night, and it looks pretty sweet. What do you like about it? Um, well, it's it's definitely a beautiful jersey. It's uh, it's for a great cause um it's probably a little late should have been there since i was there day one 20 some odd years ago but we'll worry about that later but uh yeah it's great i mean uh you know it, um, it's another look it's uh celebrating uh the heritage month and um yeah it's, it's exciting for uh for uh for everyone well you know you said it would have been nice if they had it when you were playing and it just shows how far we've come because there was such a narrow focus back then, and now we're opening our arms and we're inclusive of everyone. As I said, this is just part of a wider initiative. Hockey is for everyone. So when you see where we've come and what we've done and what the NHL is doing and continues to do and the Devils are doing, what goes through your mind? Well, it's, you know, I mean, it's, uh, like I said, it's it's great that it's recognizing it. Um, 
you know, I think people don't realize one thing about our game just because now we're, we're celebrating. I mean, you know, just as well as I do, Maddie. I mean, our game's always kind of been open to everyone. Uh, me growing up in Alaska, I know when I got to Jersey, it was, uh, it was a big story. Uh, Mexican-Colombian kid from Alaska, how does that work? But, you know, I grew up in a place where race was probably uh, so diverse in Anchorage, Alaska, and um, it wasn't ever a big deal. I mean, there was, every, there was all kind of ethnicities playing, so I didn't really realize it until I left home and maybe started realizing. But uh, now I think uh, no matter what uh, race you are, or your culture background. I mean, it's a great game. Um, it's open to everyone. And I think uh, there used to be a stigma that, uh, you know, it's just a white man sport, which was for a while. But yeah, I mean, uh, the culture that the NHL does, especially the devils of, of showing, you know, I used to always say, um, I used to get asked a lot, like, do you think you're opening doors or everything? And no, it was more just if a kid saw a last name Gomez playing hockey, Maybe, you know, if he had the opportunity or wanted to play, I think that was the that was the main goal for me. It wasn't just like he had to be Latin. But, uh, yeah, so hopefully I, I did my part, and um, here we are now. Well, I find it interesting that you say that in growing up in Alaska, you were playing in this multicultural, diverse group with this multicultural, diverse group, and, and you didn't kind of think anything about it. But then as you go more, quote-unquote, mainstream as you move along in your junior career and what have you i'm guessing you might have heard a couple of things along the way or did you ever think hey someone's looking at me different because <laughs> of what that last name is it's that's it's a great point but i think the first time it ever hit me that maybe i was different besides being on the ice off the ice is uh i made the national team and i don't know it's 15 40 15 u.s select team and uh I think that was the first time I was in the locker room and I kind of looked around and I'm like, you know, <laughs> there's all white guys here. <laughs> like, I just wasn't, uh, I used to, you bet. I mean, I, um, I definitely heard stuff. It was, uh, even back home. I mean, uh, not taking that away. I mean, kids can be cruel. There was, there was stuff said, but you know, I also had the parents that, uh, there's only one way to get back and that's, uh, that's putting in the net and just dominating. So that was always the advice I had. Uh, you bet. I mean, as I got older, as I went to juniors, went to certain spots. Um, yeah, you're hearing stuff, you're Snickers, people are saying, trying to get you after your game. But uh, it just was one of those things that uh, it made me stronger. It wasn't something that I was going to, it was going to affect me. And I credit my parents for that. And I also credit where I grew up. I mean, uh, in Alaska, like I said, race was always, it was just, it's so diverse there. It was never, never a big deal. And, uh, and usually the kids that were chirping or saying that those were usually the kids that never even stepped on the ice. So I used to always remind them that, but, uh, you know, it's, it's tough for any kid, but uh, at the same time, um, you know, it's what are you going to do about it? And there was only one way and I was taught to just be the best player out there. Well, and, and really that does, to, sorry, that does come from your parents uh, having gotten to know both Carlos and Dahlia, they are very strong people and uh, they were going to push you forward. So I'm wondering then, and I think you touched upon it. What's the message then to, People today, it's more open. There's no question our society is, but there are miles still to go. So what, what's your statement? Your, what message do you want to leave with some of those who are still saying, you know what, I'm not sure, whether it's because of sexual orientation or maybe it's just gender. I mean, we're still opening doors for women in this sport. Or as this sport expands and it's in Southern California, it's been there for a long time now, uh, or in Arizona, which I know has a, a deep Hispanic tradition and 
places where more Hispanics can play the game here in New Jersey. What's your message to those who may still find a door, if not closed, just not opened as much as it should be? Well, it's, you know, people got to remember hockey's just not like you can go, depending where you're growing up. I mean, I was fortunate in Alaska where there was ice outside. I mean, you go skate. It is an expensive sport, but I think with the league and with like, especially like Arizona and teams like that, they are opening it up. Uh, making it available uh, you know we have a foundation at home it was for kids that that maybe couldn't afford it maybe could but now they get the opportunity and it's like anything once you step on the ice and once you realize the camaraderie and um, you know the lessons you'll learn and the people you're hanging out with I think that's what our game provides it's not taken away from any other sport but no matter what race you are I think now especially you get on the ice and you, you realize uh, the love everyone's got for it and I think we're starting to really give that back. And I mean, it, it's, I mean, I remember when we were kids, we would play, uh, we'd play L an LA team. And I mean, Maddie, we'd beat them like 13 to one, even if they happen to get a goal and our coach would have to cut, cut us off. I mean, but now you look at, I mean, that's the hockey hotbed now, the, the Southern States. And I mean, obviously we all owe Gretzky a tremendous uh, respect for that, but it is, it is funny to see now that my, my era, my kids, are not my kids, but like my buddies that have kids, it's, it's so funny to hear them now. Like the best teams are coming out of LA, Florida, Nashville. I mean, places when we were growing up would never ever think. And I think, think would have teams and doing so well. And I think that's the point where all a kid has to do is get the opportunity. And, and once he realizes how special a game it is and the people involved, I mean, there are some great, great people that are, that really true, uh, truly care about this game and want to give back. And I think that's where, uh, if anything, that's that's what my statement would be, is just if a kid can get the opportunity where certain places they wouldn't be able to, I think that's that's the goal. So my final question about Hispanic Heritage Night and what the Devils are doing in their first ever uh, Hispanic Heritage Night is what is it what does it mean to you? Is it special for you? I mean, you're Alaskan, and I know there's that pride. But when you think about the celebration that's going to take place, and there are others around the league and more and more each and every year, what, what's in your heart? Um, I like, like I said, it's, uh, it's something special to me. Um, I think they should have it every week. I think the whole league should turn into National Hispanic uh, Heritage, Heritage League, but that's just me. But, you know, Maddie, I've known you a long time, and it was, like I said, it wasn't just Hispanic for me, it's when, when I got there, they try to make a big deal about some pioneer, I'm doing this and that. My thing was always just, hey, no matter what the kid's race is, if he saw, if he saw Gomez on the ice, hey, I could do that or I could go that route. It wasn't, it had to be Latin, but in saying that, yeah, anytime, uh, you know, it's, it's a special moment for, uh, I think all the Latin hockey players, but at the same time, I think that's something so special with the game. It's, it's just hockey special itself. It, it doesn't have to be just because we're celebrating this. I mean, the game is so great. It's, it's provided for me and my family, everything. It's uh, the life lessons I've learned, the people I've met, it's all through the game. So yeah, I mean, uh, but there could be a kid out there, no matter what race. And if he is Hispanic and he sees that, wow, that's pretty cool. The league is uh, celebrating his heritage uh, and he wants to play hockey, I think, or at least want to try it out. I, I think that's what the, the best part about it is. Cool. 
you know, you're, you're, I mean, you weren't even born. In fact, I don't know if anybody uh, on this group was born, but you know, I remember uh, not so much. I don't remember when JFK was elected, but I do remember the impact, you know, he was Irish Catholic and listen, the Catholics were viewed suspiciously in this country and no one thought that an Irish Catholic could ever become president. And when he did, in all those immigrant households, and my grandparents, all four of them were born in Ireland, like there was a picture of Kennedy, man. Yeah. Had, now, there wasn't a picture of Eisenhower, no. and there didn't become a picture, you know, a photo of Johnson and Truman. It was John F. Kennedy. And it was right, generally right next to the crucifix, by the way. Yeah. Like it was, so it meant, it meant something. It meant something like, hey, you know, screw, we're here. Yeah. Deal well, with I remember, it. I mean, you remember this when I first got there to New Jersey, you know, they were making such a big deal about it. Like, cause no one understood it. Like I think Sherry Ross was the only one that came up to, she came up to Alaska before the draft. So she got to see Anchorage. She got to kind of, kind of see like, wow, this is a diverse place. It's not what you see on TV and, and all that. But I remember uh, they were trying to make it like a, a Jackie Robinson mm -hmm. kind of story. And that, I mean, that's, there's nothing compared to what, what, you know, Jackie Robinson had to go through and, and, the history of that but they just still didn't get it until i think i finally did an interview i think i might have made it or it was early on and i finally just said to the media i'm like uh well here's what happened i uh i cried when we were crossing the border uh the the border guy gave me a pair of skates and with a couple bottles of tequila and magic happened and here we are and i remember every media member just like <laughs> I even think Lou was like, "Did you say that?" And I was like, "Well, what do you want me to say?" They're trying to make it sound like like I came on, you know, crossed on some donkey with skates, and I, you know, well, I remember I grew up in Alaska. Hockey's what we did, so exactly. I, I do remember saying that, and I just remember the people's reaction, just like, "What? The, this kid might be different." But uh, well, yeah, well, yeah, we we figured that out really quick. But <laughs> uh, but I remember that. I also though I I was telling the guys before after you logged off to, to log back on, I said. You know, the narrative was he's the first Hispanic uh, of Hispanic heritage to play. And yeah, the last name would give it away. But I, Billy Guerin's mother was born in Nicaragua, for God's yeah. sake, said he predated you by a few years in this devil's so, career. So like it's it's funny I, because I used to always, you know, because of the name Gomez. I mean, there was. Yeah, I remember Billy used to always give it to me like, you know, the only way Billy Guerin can is joking around. But he was literally, you know, you're not the first. My mom's Nicaraguan. She's got an accent. Like it was just so funny to hear Billy. And I'm like, and I always, I always gave Billy credit. Like when people would say that, I'm like, there's other guys that have, you know, it's just my name sticks out. So it's always hard for me to hear that he's the first Latin. And I'm like, I'm not really. I mean, you know, we can get Billy on here, and he, he, there's other guys that just the Gomez definitely stood out the most. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. And and you know, I was saying to Pete Albeats today after I was as I was leaving from practice. I said, you have to be careful with those things too, because, you know, we'll find out Stan Fischler would say, no, no, this guy, Jack Snow, yeah. his mother was born in Argentina, but, you know, married a guy yeah. by the name of Snow and he played for the 1947 Toronto Maple Leafs. And, you know, what are we doing here? So I, I get the, I get the heritage and the pride, as I mentioned the Kennedy story, but you got to be careful. And yeah, I mean, there's other guys that deserve credit that, I mean, it just, that they, they didn't. And so they, but, most of them would always give me, uh, you know, they definitely would, uh, you know, let me know. Right? But like, here's a great one. Um, I played with uh, Rafi Torres and he's Latin. Hello. Yeah. And so we, uh, 
we played online and we had a two on one and he scored. So after the, after we're coming off the period, the, the, the announcer grabs me and right on the bench and he says, um, you know, explain that goal. And I was like, well, that's probably the greatest goal I've ever been involved with. And it's probably history making. And the guy's just looking at me like, man, you've been in a lot of games. You've been, I mean, whatever. And I said, well, yeah, that's, that's my greatest assist I've ever gotten. And he said, well, how come? And I said, because I've never ever passed it to another Latin guy that put it in the net. So that's one. And in the NHL, that's got to be in the books that like, name the last time two Latin guys are on the score sheet. So in his face, of course, you can imagine, he did not know where to go with that. Or if I say it to Matty Lachlan, I mean, I'd probably have to hear another Irish story or about May or something. So it was, you know, Matty, you could put, I mean, but it was just, and it was funny because the more we thought about it, I mean, Rafi just laughed like, you know what, that is kind of cool. I've never, you know, two Latin guys. I never passed it over to a Latin guy and scored. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's, there's, there's other guys, definitely. Yeah, but not, I know not guys, but, sorry, I, was say, I know there have been other guys, but is there any sense of still being a role model and the responsibility and some of the things that go along with representing? Obviously, I know there's a huge amount of pride you feel for that. So even if other guys have come and maybe been there beforehand, it doesn't, I don't think, in any way diminish what you can do as a role model to some of these kids as well. Yeah, I mean, but in, in saying that, that's, I think that's all our jobs when you're part of the National Hockey League. It's uh, It doesn't matter what, what the kids like. Perfect example is uh, like Maddie brought it, brought it earlier about like even the gender thing, uh, women's hockey. When we grew up uh, and I have great friends, there was like four girls that played hockey and we thought that was weird. Like girls are playing hockey. Now, now, you know, they got college scholarships. They all have, they're doing great in life. But at the same time to think back, like, God, girls weren't even like, there was no programs. I mean, uh, Sig Jokio just passed away, one of the greatest men ever. He started a program up in Alaska for women. And now, like my nieces or any any girl, you're like, play hockey. And it, it's it just we've come so far because like when we were growing up, oh, a girl playing hockey, that's weird. But now, I mean, they're incredible. They're uh, it's it's a route to go. It's another 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 outlet. And I think that's what makes our game so uh, so special. I mean, you know, you watch those those championship games, uh, U.S. versus Canada. I mean, you'd be shocked. Every guy's watching in the room. I mean whether you're better or not, like it, it was, it's good hockey. And that's, that's how far, that's how far our games come with, with all the races and, and, and genders. Do you love well, seeing that, how far the games come? I, you know, again, I know things have changed dramatically. Like you mentioned the, the women's hockey and how that's exploded, like the more accepting and the, the more diverse applying of the game. I mean, do you love, I know the answer probably yes, but love just seeing kids out there not worrying about where you're from, what you do, and just having fun playing the game. Oh, definitely. I mean, that's, uh, yeah, you go to rinks now. It's, 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 you, it's more diverse. I mean, let's face it. There's, there's just, it is what it is. And that's great. I mean, me, like I said, maybe I, maybe if I came from Southern California or some other place, maybe I'd look more into that. But like I said, I cannot take credit for that. Cause I did grow up in Anchorage, Alaska, where it was not a big deal. I mean, you go in the locker room, it was all different races. It was all, you know, so, but now as I'm older and if I do happen to go, you know, go to a rink or watch, watch a game, which is very rare, but you do get to see like back in my day, there wouldn't be this many kids from different cultures. I mean, when I left home, but, and I think, yeah, that's special. And as us, no matter what, uh, the older guys, we were, you know, we didn't have NHL, but we had college and the way they treated us, the younger guys, that was just always something to, to pay back.
I mean, and, and especially when I got to the Devils, the older guys were tremendous with me. Uh, you know, they didn't, you know, obviously there was some, some jokes here and there, but we could get away with stuff like that back then. But uh, no, the, the, the guys were, were you know, it was, they were always incredible to me. And sometimes me growing up, I remember I played in uh, the top prospects game for the, for the CHL and before the draft. And I was all excited. It's at Toronto Maple Leafs Gardens. And uh, afterwards, I'm watching the game and I'm getting introduced. And the announcer said the reason why I didn't go to college and the reason why I went major junior because I had to support the family. And I'm sitting there like, what? Like, like, what are you talking about? They even know we get paid here. We get like 200 bucks or whatever. And I remember going to my parents and I'm like, is this, and Maddie knows family really well. We're, we're pretty much jokesters where my parents were like, go with it, just go with it. Who cares? So <laughs> I think, yeah. So, I mean, people, like I said, when I gave the, I crossed the border with a pair of skates and a couple bottles of tequila, I think actually people believe that like, that's really how it happened. And I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, the drinking age in Mexico, there is no, there isn't one. So, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, just, it's come a long way in that regards too. You know, your parents are wonderful people uh, and they, they take things seriously, but they don't take life seriously, if you know what I mean. And so that's why they were, would have told you, yeah, just go with the story. Well, so, sometimes, sometimes the truth is not as interesting as, as a story, right? Well, it, was, it was hard for people to, to understand that the poverty thing, and all, that was their story. Like I was, you know, my dad was a structural, my mom was a hairdresser, but I didn't, I mean, yeah, we didn't go on vacation and stuff, but we, I didn't ever, you know, I didn't grow up like that where I'd always tell the media, if you want to hear a story that, you know, you're going to cry or go talk to my mom and dad, but I can't relate to that. I can't relate the way they grew up. And you're trying to get me to, you're trying to get some story out there. I, I can't tell you that. Cause I mean, Hey, like I, you know, I was a small kid, just like anyone else played hockey, but, but I think that's where I always took pride in the fact that, you know, me being Latin, just the, the sacrifices my mom and dad made and to even get me to start hockey and even just the support I had for them growing up and still to this day. I mean, that, that, that's, you know, that there's a reason why I made it. And there's a reason why we're talking right here is because of my mom and dad. And, uh, and so, yeah, they, they get all the credit when it comes to that. Maybe one story epitomizes that is as you eventually decide, oh, I'm going to try this game of hockey and your dad's up in Alaska, he goes up to work as the pipeline is being built and, and construction and everything is booming up there. He says, Hey, listen, I gotta, I'm going to leave. Southern California makes some money and he goes up north and but eventually you get involved and you want to play hockey and he buys you a pair of skates and you decide hockey's not for you and so finish the story where basically your dad says oh oh no they're not going back those skates and I paid oh, yeah. for them so uh my dad like I said college hockey was huge my dad takes me to a college game when I was four and uh fell in love with it and back then um, the boys and girls club would provide, uh, they provide gear, um, everything. All you had to have, I think was your own helmet and skates. And maybe I, but so I remember Saturday morning, waited in line, got gear and my dad got me a pair of skates and then, yeah, he was working up in, uh, Nome or Adak or something. So he's gone. So my mom, she, you know, I'm going to hockey and I absolutely hate it. Like, I don't like it. I don't want to do it. So my mom, me being a mama's boy, I'm like, mom, kids are making fun of me. Uh, I'm giving her all the excuses. And she's like, you're done. You don't have to go back. So, yeah. So my dad finds out and he, you know, hell no. He gives me um, he gives me a Gomez 
Gomez pride speech that we don't quit anything in life, you know, blah, blah, blah. So when I was 17 or 18, forgot how old, um, maybe 16, I'm driving, me and my dad are going fishing, I'm driving with them and things are, you know, looking pretty good for hockey for college. And uh, I remember saying to him like, hey, dad, you know, thanks for that Gomez pride talk you gave me. I mean, you know, just that really got me going. And, you know, thanks for not, you know, Gomez's don't quit. And he just started laughing. And he's like, did you really believe that BS? He goes, hey, he goes, I bought you a brand new pair of skates and no way was that money going to go to waste. You were finishing out that year, no matter what. And I'm just sitting there like, so all that other stuff was just, and he's like, yeah, where'd you get that? Like, yeah, like you weren't going to war. You were going to like, your ass was going to go to the games and uh, are going to finish. Those skates were going to get used. Let's put it that way. And, and, then, and we, uh, thank, uh, thank everything that we, uh, that are stuck, that he gave me that speech or, or made me uh, finish out that year. Cause you know, grew to love it. Well, why don't you catch us up to what you're doing now? What are some of the functions you're doing, whether it's the foundation or golfing as you, is a, is your round doing? So give, give us a, give fans a quick rehash of where you're at right now. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, um, my, uh, the Scotty Gomez foundation do we have a lot of events. So I go back to Alaska a lot. Um, we also, um, when I, when during the pandemic, we kind of started those, uh, those Scotty's uncle Scotty's house or whatever you want to call it. And, uh, it kind of took off and actually I was just in Atlanta. Cause, um, you know, this, uh, this production company, they want to, they want to get them going again. So, um, they're talking in the works and that, uh, became a owner with the Elevator two company out of Vermont that are little ice rinks. So a lot of, a lot of involvement with that, uh, giving back and, uh, yeah, just, uh, like I tell all the guys, you know, I think I told Trav when I last saw him uh, at uh, Sajak and all those guys, like, don't retire, don't retire, uh, go as long as you can because it's uh, it gets boring. But uh, to keep yourself active and busy, that's um, that's that's the main goal we have. We uh, you find when you're retired, but uh, yeah, definitely uh, keeping busy, um, you know, enjoying it, and uh, yeah, just and, and like the Devils, I mean, um, I think I speak for all of us. And not taking anything away from the old regiment or in, but the way the the New Jersey Devils have, have been with the alumni, with guys like us and the involvement, and just just I mean, wanting us involved, all of us, like it, that's been pretty special, been pretty neat. Um, and that's like I said, that's not taking away anything else. But uh, you know, when you when you definitely go to New Jersey and you see people from the organization and all that, I mean, it's uh, they're really proud and they. Uh, and it goes a long way. And all the guys, I know we all talk about it. I mean, it's, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty uh, cool to be involved with the New Jersey Devils. And I got a free Jersey. So it's Latin. <laughs> it's pretty sweet looking, by the way. Uh, we'll have some clips of it uh, on our social media channels, but it is the uh, Hispanic Heritage Night sweater that Scotty Gomez is modeling for us. It sounds like it took you a while to figure out what post hockey was going to be like when you're telling guys, Hey, keep playing as long as you can, but the transition sometimes is not easy. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're, you know, you're warned. Like I said, I had great vets. I mean, uh, Jay Pandolfo, Bobby Halik, Randy McKay, Dano. I mean, uh, Turner, Steve, Jim McKenzie. I mean, they all warned me like, Hey, this is going to happen no matter how you're going to, you're going to miss it. And I think for me personally, people ask, do you miss, you know, the game, of course, but for me, the competition, the competition, that's the thing you, you'll, you'll never get again. I mean, yeah, I love golf, uh, 
love everything. Guys, take it so serious, but a preseason NHL hockey game will mean more to me than, or that'll be more competitive than anything I do sports-wise. And it's hard for people to understand that. It's, it's, it's hey, you're going out there and you want to be the best. Uh, and you're going against guys. I mean, you're at the top of the league. You're at the top of the level. There's no higher level. And yeah, it takes a, it, it takes a while for everyone. Everyone's different. But I think the main thing is you got to keep busy. You got to, you got to, you know, find other stuff you like doing. Um, like I said, though, during the pandemic, those videos, we were, it was just a joke, basically, for my buddies and guys that I played with. And next thing you know, it's the, the, the guy I was working with, TJ Webb. I mean, he started the Instagram stuff. I, I mean, I wouldn't even know how to post a thing on that. But he started that and it took off and it was like, hey, it kept me busy. And I think that's the thing you got to you got to find just uh, because um, we're all we're all since we were kids, basically had a regiment itinerary. This is where you got to be. This is where you, this, you there's no being late or anything. And when that's done, you do in the first year, you do find yourself like, is uh, someone going to tell me what to do today or do, do I have, but, but yeah. And that comes from you're warned. I mean, it wasn't like it was going to be a shock and, and that's, that's, uh, that's kudos to the, the great vets I had. I mean, it was, it was, it was always had guys to talk. I always had guys that, that could listen. Uh, maybe you're going through some stuff or you're bored. There was always, there was a, those group of devils guys I grew up with were, uh, were completely, I mean, their family and uh, they always will be. And, they, they did prepare me for what was going to happen. What a diverse set of characters, too. Oh. Uh, you know, and we know the, the Ken Danico stories. And, you know, we know Bobby Holik had a way. Bobby Holik could tell everyone on the team they did something wrong. <laughs> and he would mean it. But, <laughs> but people would kind of sh- go, oh, that's just Bobby. But then they would play their, their tails off for him. Yeah, a, a great story about Bobby is... is uh... So when he, I don't know if he's still playing or done, but he came over to my house in the city and, uh, and uh, we're going to have a dinner. And there was four other people there and I had to warn them. I said, okay, this guy that's coming loves, and, and the thing people don't understand, he's so intelligent. Like, because he loves, you know, loves everything about life, loves, loves the United States, everything. And I warned him, I said, okay, here's what's going to happen. He's going to ask whatever conversation we're going to have. He's going to hear your opinion. Then he's going to tell you why your opinion's wrong. And then he's going to explain why your opinions, why his is right. And if you take it serious or you're sensitive, you have no chance with this guy. And it was so funny because when the dinner started, four of my friends, I mean, you know, all different backgrounds, all, you know, genders, everything. I mean, they hated Bobby Holik for the first 20 minutes. And by the end, you just fall in love with him because it's like everything I said, he's not taking anything personal. It's, it's his opinion. And, you know, whether, whether he's right or wrong, or, and that's just kind of the great thing about our teams we had. And like, there was no judging. I mean, as long as you showed up, there was one judgment uh, practice as long. You could do whatever you wanted. You could hey, no one's going to be on you, but if you don't show up on the ice for 45 minutes or whatever it was, then we got, then we got an issue. And I mean, if we think back when we get to the, when we get together, we talk other teams thought we were such like a nerd team because of the way Lou ran it and, you know, the rules everyone hears. And we laugh the most because, and Maddie, you were involved with it. Like we had characters. I mean, we had guys that the only difference was, was we just didn't get caught because it was, it was, you know, we, our, our parent was a little more strict than the, than their parent was, but we look back and like me, Dano, especially in, in panel one time we're together. And we're like, if people even know what we did, or like they would, you just never expected that because we were so business-like when we got to the rink, but 
outside the rink. I mean, those were some of the funnest times because, like I said, our locker room was just everyone was allowed to be themselves. Everyone. Like, I know that Bobby Holik, uh, that story with, you know, things were going pretty good with me. Uh, and I was on a hot streak. I was, you know, I was, I was reading the, I was reading my own press and me, Bobby and, and Scott Niedemeyer, we, we uh, carpooled together. I don't even know why we were carpooling. I, I, we stood back. I was talking to needs, I, but just happened to, so maybe it was playoffs where I wasn't playoffs, but we're in the car. And I think I took like my third 10 minute misconduct penalty in like six games or something. That's how good things were going. I didn't care. And, and a couple of the guys were like, Hey, we don't need you in the box for 10 minutes. And Hey, don't, I, I wasn't listening. And I'm riding in the car and I'm in the front. I don't know why needs was in the back, but, and I'm reading the paper about me and Bobby Holik just rips me, rips me. And I'm reading that and he's, he's driving the car. And I'm like, so me being the, the mature 22 or 23 year old, however I was at that age, I'm like, you know, Hey, you got something to say, you say it to my face, you man up. Like I'm a man. Bobby doesn't even move. He's looking in the car, looking straight ahead. And, and, and I'll do the Bobby Holik voice there. And he goes, yes, I have tried. I've tried plenty of times to tell you, but your head is so far up your ass and into the paper that I figured the only way to get to you was to, was to put it in print. So that way you really would read it and get it. And I'm just sitting there like, Oh, Oh, like, Oh, like, and basically, Hey, we don't need you in the box for 10 minutes. Wake up. Like quit, you know, and it was, it was a life lesson. And, but that's just shows you the, the respect and the admiration we all had for each other. We're like, I mean, other teams, you think the guy was, uh, wow, this is going to be a story where <laughs> Bobby explained it pretty good. Your head's so far up your ass. I don't even know how to get to you. I'll get to you through the paper. So it, it worked. He he knew. I, and we're not going to make this about Bobby Holik, yeah. but I remember when he when he signs with the Rangers and early on, and they were a mess and they weren't doing it. And we're in interviewing him. Now he's a Ranger now. And there are Rangers all around him. This is in the visiting locker room at Continental, which, as you know, was very, very tiny, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. Right. I mean, there was nothing. You had a hook and and it was they were benches yeah. anyway. And he's talking about how fundamentally flawed the Rangers are. This is the worst fundamental team I've ever been on. And the Rangers are hearing him and they're like, this is our teammate. But he was right. That's the yeah. point. Bobby is honest as the day is long. You may not yeah. agree with his opinion. Uh, and he may not agree with yours, but he, he comes from the heart with that stuff. Like, he does. He really does. He's always been that way. And it, it's so funny. Uh, like all those guys, I mean, we're all so different, but he's still one of the, one of the guys when uh, I need advice or I, I can go to, I mean, I spent Thanksgiving with him and his family uh, during the kind of like those guys were always there for me. I mean, the list goes on. It wasn't, uh, and it wasn't even when things were, when I was struggling that year in Montreal and everything, it, other guys were shocked that, or you, if you talk to any of your, your vets, I'm like, yeah, they call and it's, it's not about hockey. It's just, they want to know how I'm doing, how life is. And, and that's what I always take from the New Jersey devils was how fortunate we were for how great of people were, were there. What are some of your uh, fondest memories then playing for the team? It doesn't have to be necessarily on the ice, but you kind of mentioned some of the off the ice stories. Like what are some fond memories you missed? Cause I feel obviously you missed the competition of on the ice. But a lot of players, they really miss the room, the locker room, the camaraderie, the friends. Like, so what are some of your best memories? I think uh, the best memories and the thing what happens when you retire is people forget that we grew up since kids where you're in your own sanctuary. Once you step in that locker room, all bets are off. I mean, 
if you did something dumb or whatever, I mean, you're going to hear it from 20 guys and the, you know, just, just, there was no sensitivity really. I mean, the, the stuff, I mean, you, you better have, it, especially in that room. I mean, it was guys that could, could chirp at the best of them. And that's what you miss the most is like, like give you an example, I was retired. I'm at a dinner with a bunch of people and I probably said an off joke. Oh, well. And the whole table just, Gave, you know just straight up and i'm like god if i was if i was with the boys this would kill right now like and like you, you just forget that well your company right and like and yeah i mean just it wasn't even it wasn't even about the game it was just about what was going on like just just what's going on in the news what's going or everyone had their own opinion everyone would just the bs and i mean uh you know uh, that's what you miss is is being around guys that are going through the same thing as you are where it is a mental challenge it's not you know, Maddie knows that the best. It's not what people think. I mean, it's an all day, all months, all you're not complaining. It's a great life, but it is a mental roller coaster where one day you're right here, the next day you're here, you're trying to find it, get it back. Other guys, you got to be a good teammate, but deep down, you're you're struggling. And just being around guys that know exactly what you're going through, what you need. I mean, you know, I remember I was struggling, and uh, Pat Burns, uh, Turner Stevenson came to me and he goes, Hey, uh, you're you're babysitting Mike uh I think he had two two boys at that time I'm like babysitting and but meanwhile the, the my ex-girlfriend I was with she was uh she was basically she had to babysit whatever but we went over to Turner's and I think they were gone for 30 minutes and then he came back and I think uh I think we ended up drinking about eight bottles of wine and it was basically like my therapy session and that's what Pat Burns wanted Pat Burns wanted Turner to take me and just let it all out. Like this, you know, let me, let me get what I'm, you know, whatever. Let me complain. Let me whine. And you look back and say, the next day of practice, I probably didn't look too fresh, but Burnsy, you know, I know he went to Turner. That was the whole goal where you look back on stuff like that. where like, I don't know if that's normal in any other job place, but to have a guy, the coach basically telling the guy, go get that little Mexican completely hammered or whatever. Let him, let him get it out, get it out. And I needed that. And that's how special. And that's, that's the kind of team teammates we had. And, uh, and meanwhile, I thought me and my girlfriend at the time were going to babysit, but that was not even the goal. It was basically, I'm going to have a therapy session with eight bottles of wine and, and they hurt a lot. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I, I wonder why Turner Stevenson was chosen. Was it simply because he had children and it would work that he needed a babysitter or what I was it about that- Turner? Because he's a beloved guy. I think it was that and, you know, my relationship with him. Um, yeah. And Turner's a no, no nonsense guy. He uh, he's going to tell you how he is. I mean, he's the same as Bobby. It wasn't going to be like they were going to coddle me. I think also uh, I think they kind of probably wanted to give Pando a break because, you know, I, I'm with Jay every moment. of the. Of, so I think, I think, yeah, there was a, there was definitely, as I thought, I was so honored that Turner, you know, Turner said to me, you know, there's so many guys and that I, you know, wow, you, you want me to babysit your kids? Like, Oh, wow. I'm like, which meanwhile, I was basically my ex, but there was a, there was a method behind the madness and Bernsey wanted that. And, and it worked. I mean, it just kind of Turner kind of gave me his side, you know, you got to quit being a baby. You got to, this is what it is. This is, it wasn't like, it wasn't like I was just going off. I mean, Hey, he, Hey, we need you. You're uh, enough's enough. Like whatever's going on, you're going to have to find a different way. Um, nothing's going to change. You're not changing Pat Burns you keep thinking you're going to change them. It ain't happening. And, and I needed that. And, and it was, and then like, here's another good one that the devils. So 
I, and Dano knows this because Ken Danico, because I think I broke Ken Danico's record for having meetings with Lou. And it's a lot of meetings, a lot of meetings. So one day, one day Lou grabs me and he says, uh, we're having a team meeting today. And he goes, I'm going to give it to you. Because I'm going to give it to you. He goes, because I know you can take it. And, he, and I was like, hell yeah, I can take it. Yeah. So he goes, don't say anything to anyone. He goes, but this meeting, I'm going to go off and I'm going to really go off on you. And I was like, yeah, of course. Of course, I walked back in the room and Turner, Madden, Pando, and I think Mackie might have been, they're right there. They're, they're, so I come back and I got, I'm just walking with swag and I walk back and I'm like, hey, we're having a team meeting today. And back then, when we had a Lou meeting, it was, you know, guys were tightening up because it was going to be a big deal. And I remember saying to them, I'm like, and guess what? He's going to yell at me because all you guys are little girls or, you know, I should say, but obviously you know the word I probably said, because you guys can't handle it because you guys are all, yeah, he's going to come to me. Anyway, meeting starts, Lou starts giving it to me. He starts giving it to me so bad. I'm the guy that's like, what the, Hey, we didn't go over this. Like, like, whoa, whoa. Like, like I'm almost ready to cry. Like, Hey, this is not what we talked about. And then after the meeting, you know, I'm kind of like shaken up. And I think it was Turner or Mackie was like, like, what are you, what are you crying about? I, hey, I thought you could take it or something like that. And I'm like, Oh, I can, I can. But, but deep down, I was like, God, is this what, is this really what he thinks? But yeah. So it was stuff like that. that was nonstop that, that was missed forever. Interesting. You, you mentioned Pat Burns. Did you ever think about coaching, scouting, kind of remaining in the game and that any of those aspects? Yeah. I mean, I, I coached with the Islanders a couple of years. It was great. I think, uh, I think uh, to be, to really, you know, I'd love it. I mean, Hey, it, it's not like I watch hockey. I really don't, but if it's on, if you're at a bar or something and it's on, I mean, I, I, you can tell I'm just glued to it, especially like when power play and stuff comes. Um, I learned a tremendous amount about the game from uh, through Adam Oates. And uh, that really, I got to learn like, you know, other stuff. I mean, I got to really see, I mean, um, you know, yeah. So to give back, you bet. I mean, there's nothing better than, than uh, when I was with the honors or just helping someone out, explaining something. You're not, hey, I had my day in the sun. I, I can't go back there. It's not about me. It's about you. And I think that was the most most important thing. And you do get satisfaction when you when you help someone out or you show them something. And it's not coming from me. This is what's taught, taught down, down from all the great players and, and coaches I had. But to see a guy actually get it and maybe give you the like, hey, it works. That was so cool. That was, I mean, and it doesn't matter what level. I mean, it, it, it's those are the kind of kind of things that I think if you're going to get involved with the game and you want, that's, that's what it's got to be about. It's not about, you know, it's not about you anymore. It's not about whether I get the recognition or, or this and then, Hey, everyone, we all got egos. There's no question about it, but you know, the, to give back to what we learned and, and, and to see someone that, that was cool. So, yeah, I mean, the door's always open. Um, and you got to be in the right situation too. You got to be, you know, and, and I, I did, I had a wonderful experience. Uh, it was weird. It was really weird being back with Lou uh, at, the, at, a, at a different age in my life. But uh, and one thing about him, he never changed. <laughs> there'd be there'd be guys asking me, uh, "Do you think?" Uh, and I'm like, "No, <laughs> that ain't, you ain't changing that guy." So what he says is what's gonna go, what's gonna happen. But yeah, I mean, uh, you know, still young and um, definitely hockey's in my blood and uh, and the knowledge and stuff I learned from from all those great players. Uh, you bet there'll be a time I probably get back into. It. A couple of players that you mentioned, uh, Jay Pandolfo in one, uh, for one rather, uh, you guys were just 
together all the time, as you mentioned. I mean, there was something about your relationship, great friends, and yet different. You got an Alaska guy, you got a New England guy through and through. You've got a quiet guy in Jay, although quiet publicly, not quiet yeah. privately. <laughs> you, this gregarious, outgoing guy. What what was it that made that made it work for you two guys? Because if there if there was Scott Gomez couple of feet away coming around the corner was Jay Pandolfo or vice versa, because you were such good friends. Yeah. You know, when, you know, when you're that close with someone or, or tight, it's when uh, everyone in the room ref, uh, refers to you guys as either your, where's your girlfriend at or where's your boyfriend at? Like meaning that was so, you know, I, I think Jay without Jay Pandolfo, I don't, uh, I don't have the career I have. He was, uh, he was more like an older brother um and uh obviously he took me under his wing but i was friends with his brother before i grew up with playing with mike pandolfo so i was close with mike mikey all those usa hockey uh, teams we were on so just falling in line with jay and i think the special thing about jay was he's uh, people forget you know i'm my own person at the end of the day unless you're carlos or dalia gomez and probably you could throw Lou and Pat Burns me up there. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Like, it's just, you know, and, but with Jay, he let me be, but he also knew when to put the hammer down. Meaning if we were out, let's say, and, you know, Hey, I want to, let's stay for one more, stay this and that. When Jay said it was time to go, it was time to go. And, and meaning he always had my back. He always, he, he always had a, you know, it was obviously as a friendship, it can't explain it. It came, like I said, he was an older brother, but he, he was someone I respected and I didn't want to let down. And that happens with Randy, Bobby, all of Dan, all those guys. But with Jay, it was someone that really, really, and, and he got to see the real, uh, he got to see, and we were roommates on the road. So he got to really see the, the true, uh, the true Scott Comas, so to say. But, but one thing about man, that guy, he never, ever, you know, he let me be, but he also put me in a straight path where like, like, like people don't understand this. I buy a new house. I bought Brendan Morrison's house and it's starting start in the second year. And um, it's right by Jay. We all lived kind of the same neighborhood. So I'm by Jay and Scott Niedermeyer was, uh, was, was reinventing his house. So they were, they were doing it over. And Lisa Niedermeyer and Scott Niedermeyer was always so great to me day one. And, but this just shows you, it probably never happened again, but this just shows you the respect and kind of the, whatever you want to call it, Jay and Needs come up to me and they say, basically, I just got this house, my first house. And they said to me that um, you're moving in with me. Uh, needs, needs is going to, Needs and uh, Lisa are going to live at your house till their house is ready. And I didn't even think a question didn't even, you know, I was like, okay. And next thing you know, I was like, I got my bags packed and I, I just bought this house, but that's the kind of level all of us were at. That's the kind of respect. I mean, you know, maybe it was a couple other guys. Um, maybe question it, but because it was Scott Niedermeyer and Lisa Niedermeyer, the way they treated me was day one, I was a rookie. It wasn't even a question. And Hey, I get to live with, uh, you know, my, my best friend and I didn't go to college. So this was kind of like my, uh, my, my time to, my time to shine with other guys, but it was, uh, it was a time of our life lasted like two or three months, but, uh, but just showing that's, that's just the kind of respect I had for him. And I didn't even question it. It was like, no problem. If Jay's saying it, um, there's then there's got to be a, a way to it and and uh, and that just wasn't me. I mean, it used to coaches used to when they got mad at me, 
it was so tough for them to understand that like how close me and Jay were because Jay was like the perfect teammate hockey player I mean everything like he, he won the unsung hero eight nine years in a row and that says a lot when the players are voting so I got very very fortunate to have Jay uh, you know take me under my wing and like I said he's always been like an older brother to me yeah, Jay, Jay didn't care one iota for the publicity. He didn't care if he ever did a walk-off interview or a post-game interview. He just knew what his role was, which was terrific. I mean, here's a guy who scored in college. He was one of the, the leading scorers his senior year in college, and he turned his game around completely. Well, and, and he, and and he just, told me, because, you know, I grew up, like, I don't, it was Jay Pandolfo. I mean, all those guys. I remember John Madden. I grew up watching him play in Michigan. I mean, I was at like Brandon Morrison. I mean, I was a huge college guy. That was the goal before I went major junior. And so, yeah, I'm with Jay Panovlin. I mean, this guy was, people don't realize, this guy was a stud, goal scorer. And I, I think one time I asked him, I said, um, you know, what happened? Like, are you, you know, because he became, he became one of the best defensive players to, to play this game. I mean, like, and he said, he goes, you know, got introduced to Jacques Lemaire. And Jacques Lemaire basically said, you want to play in the NHL, you want to stay, this is going to be your role, and this is your job. And, and look at the guy, had a tremendous career, still coaching, he is a, he, he's just someone so, what that guy brought in the room on and off the ice was just the reason why we got a couple of rings. I mean, he's a guy that will never get the publicity like Matty said, but, but here's, here's another great, how tough this guy was. Uh, that Detroit game, when Robbie threw the bench, people don't realize, I think Jay had 25 stitches on his face and we ended up, he still went out that night in New York City, by the way, but anyway. <laughs> Another story, but we're in playoffs. We might have to circle back to that, but yeah. okay. We're in playoffs. And after playoffs, we go back to the room and, you know, you kind of unwind. You're just wired up, having a couple of beers where, and then all of us would go meet in someone's room or they'd have like a, a place for us to all go hang out. So you're back in the room and Jay got, got basically carried off the ice and we're in Tampa and it was a second cup run. And I came in the room and I started making fun of him about, man, wow, out of all people, I can't believe they had to come get you off the ice. You should be embarrassed of yourself. Like that's the kind of relation. And this guy snaps, he jumps up and, you know, I've kind of never seen And Jay's like, Jay's just like, did you see what happened? Did you see what happened? And he still freaked out about it. And I didn't, I didn't see what happened. Right. I'm like, all I know is, Hey, all I know is I didn't, I never gotten taken. Like just, just really digging in just then the highlights had come on before we, and they showed and jay was about five five feet from from the boards behind the net he got hit from behind and his hands were like this he got hit from behind and that the the, the ledge right there the edge his face went completely into it and i mean i'm watching it on tv and i'm just like I mean, I look over at him and I'm like, oh my God. And he's like, I told you, like, he's more, he's more mad. The fact I thought he had to get taken off or, I mean, he saw that. I mean, he's lucky to even play the rest of the series. It was that bad, but that also shows you like what an animal that guy was like, he, he was more mad that they, the trainers had to come get him. But after you saw the hit, I guarantee you 95, maybe 90, but we're probably out. Like we're not even thinking of coming back. And that just shows you how like that guy was an animal, animal. Yeah, he he was he was an unbelievable. I mean, I'll never forget that night in Detroit. Just uh, and then Robbie throwing the bench, and then you know. Well, the Jay best came. part was is Maddie. Remember, they, so Jay's off because no, I think that was back when there was one ref, so they missed it. Jay is completely. I mean, he's got like I said, he had like twenty some odd, maybe probably more. I don't even want to give you know, and he is completely leaking. In it. 
He's going back to the room to get stitched up. And that's when Robbie loses it. <laughs> He's getting stitched up. Robbie goes, grabs him because the Joe, the, the locker room's right there. <laughs> they go grab him off the table and put him to come back to show the ref. <laughs> We're all like, yeah, like it was just, you know, it, it just, you think back of stuff like that. And I mean, it probably wouldn't happen today, but he was literally on the table with the sheet on and everything. And they just grabbed him to come back out to show the ref how bad it was. Uh, man, it was unbelievable. And I think, and maybe it's a different time, but didn't you guys, I seem to recall you guys, we had Shaq at a game once, or maybe they were playing and we had a practice and they had, a, there was something and Shaq sees you and Jay and Jay guys like, and he says something like, man, like, I love hockey and I'm tough, but dude, like that, that face is messed up. I, I I, I'm, I'm cleaning it up, but I remember meeting Shaq. And it wasn't Shaq. I do. Was it? I thought it was. No, I, I think it might have been, it might have been Kenyon Martin, or it was someone from the Nets because we were okay, never around. Okay, them. that would make more sense. Yeah, yeah, I think it was someone. Yeah, they literally. And I think I remember because I don't know if the timing's off, but do you remember at the Star Ledger they had uh, who would win in a fight? They had Scotty and, and Kenyon Martin, and then they had like all their stats, their size, their this and that. And I think it was around that time. I forget what happened. And yeah, but I, I, I know exactly what time, but I remember him looking at, at Jay's face being like, you gotta be kidding me. Like, did you, like, how, how long were you out for? And, you know, Jay being humble, like, oh, just, you know, I played the next day or, you know, <laughs> where, where I'm like, he went out to New York city that night. Like we, we were all worried he wasn't going to be able to go out. And then Jay, Jay sucked it up. And, and I, that's what I remember the most is like, he's the guy at the club. Just like, I think he's said like, <laughs> Towels and stuff, but I mean, it also it also worked. You got a lot of attention. Let's put it that way. Well, exactly. There was a method to the madness, but I love what you said there. We were worried he wouldn't be able to go out. Yeah, Never I, mind that he might be concussed. Yeah. Never mind that you might lose him for a month and a half, some fractures. Jay might not be able to go out tonight. I mean, exactly. It was like, you know, it was literally like, now you look back, you know, we're all, he was single and everything, but you probably should look at that and and uh, yeah, we were like, I remember, I think it was me, Sean Surrey, Jason Arna, I forgot who else. We were, we were more concerned, like, is he going to go out? Like, because because I was like more still young, new to it. And I'm like, if Jay doesn't go, do I still get to go? Like, or, you know, but, but I got to have Jay with me. I mean, there's just, uh, that's just the way it is. But yeah, I mean, uh, special, special times, man. It, it, it's just funny. And, and, and the thing is, is like, all those guys, we, uh, you know, everyone's busy with life. Everyone's got their own thing. And but you get us all together. It takes about two seconds and we're just telling these stories again. And, it, and that's what makes it special. Cause you do see, you do see guys from other teams and when they get together, it's, it's just, yeah, you know, Hey, how are you doing? Where I don't know. I'm not, I'm not speaking for all the teams, but you do get the devil's guys together and it goes bang. It's not even like, yeah, you get the old, Hey, how are the kids doing and everything? But then it goes right into like, Hey, how about that one time? Or, you know, especially like, especially when you see Whitey, I mean, like, <laughs> There's so many Whitey stories that it's oh. just, I mean, and then that laugh comes out. I mean, it just, it's, it, but that is something funny with all of us that how, like, how it just bang right off the hop. It's, it's stories like that, that we all remember. Well, you said there's so many Whitey stories, not going to ask for you to share at least one. Well, <laughs> that's I, 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 well, no, there's so many, I was just a Whitey, Whitey, um, and, and, and we still don't understand how there's not film of this, but it was different. So me and Whitey, Whitey was the next up. 
And then it was Madden and Whitey were the next up. And then Rafalski came in. And then I got fortunate because Patty and Brendan Morrison were, were holding out. So there was two spots open for, but Whitey was a guy, he already established himself. Like the guy's crazy. And so all the minor league guy, everyone knows Whitey. I had to spend a whole summer with him, me, me him and Vladimir Burry. So there will always be a bond between me and Colin White because of the workouts we had to do with Vladimir Burry. So Whitey. Who's Pavel's dad, by the way, for yeah, those Pavel, who don't yeah. know, Pavel's dad. Uh, and he was the strength and conditioning or fitness coach. He, he worked you guys. Let's put it to And he took a, he took a bronze or silver medal when Mark Spitz won all those. And mm -hmm. if you listen to Vladdy, it was kind of like Michael Phelps where Vladdy was like the gold. There was no such thing as the gold. Like Mark Spitz already had that. It basically the gold medal was the silver and the, you know, so give you an example. Of that. But so Whitey, me and him got to a point where you know, I could give it back to Whitey, where I'm knowing he's not going to beat me up because he, he could. But once you, once you establish that, you, you'd be shocked what would come out of this mouth. But anyway, me and Whitey are on the ice, and uh, and we were laughing about this the other day, too. There was a play in the D zone to Marty's right, and Whitey, he says, I, I kind of messed up. Whitey kind of messed up. More of me, probably in the D zone, where they almost scored. Like, it was almost – and it looked like, oh, man, we're going to see this on video. Like, it was so bad. So it's a timeout, and Whitey right away starts yelling at me. And I start yelling at him back. I'm like, F you, you know, yeah, you know, this and that. And Whitey slashes me. And I slash him right back. And Whitey hits me and I hit him back. Before you know it, we're, we're having a full, like, swing. We're in, dude, Billy McCreary, I think, was refing that game. He skates over. This is a timeout. Other guys are, you know, doing their thing. Me and Whitey are basically, like, you know. And the Billy McCreary comes over and he's like, hey, you two stop or, or I'm going to give you guys a penalty. And all three of us kind of looked at each other. Like, can you even give, like, can you give a penalty? And, and Billy McCreary's like, I don't know, but I got to stop this. Like, cause me and him are basically swinging at each other. And I mean, it's uh, yeah, that just explained all how close all of us were, but that is, I mean, and then, I mean, yeah, Colin White, I mean, it, like, you know, he, he was, he's a special one, man. I mean, what you see is what you give with Whitey. And, uh, and, and that's a guy that, I mean, he's never changed, never will. And, uh, but Whitey, sometimes you gotta, you gotta stick up to the bully. And, uh, but you know, just like Whitey, when I hit him back, I thought that would be it. And I mean, Whitey, you got that look in his eyes. He swung back. And meanwhile, I know I'm not going to get beat up because it's a game, but yeah, me and Whitey are probably two of the only guys in the league history that we're going to get two, two minute penalties each for swinging sticks at each other on, on our own team. There's got to be a video of that somewhere. Yeah, you gotta dig I mean, that up. There's got to be. We mean because we always talk about it. I mean, if you saw it, it was comical. But but the best part about it was when Billy McCreary came over. He didn't even know what to do, but he's like, the only thing he could do was was tell us we're gonna get a penalty. <laughs> That's unbelievable. You know, and, and I'm thinking, and and listen, we appreciate the time. These stories yeah. are great, and you're you're fabulous uh, uh, in in giving us your time. But I'm, you know, I think about that team in 2000, you had all the veterans, but then you mentioned all the young guys who came in too. Uh, and of course, you know, your rookie of the year, but mad dog was there and it just Rafal, you know, Rafi comes in and it's an amazing yeah. mixture of young guys and veteran guys. And boy, well, 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 what, what people don't realize too, is like, you know, okay. We're with the devils and as a young guy, 
don't forget Whitey. Whitey gets to play with Scott Niedermeyer, uh, Scotty Steve. So, but I do remember Claude Lemieux. Definitely, I did something dumb or I turned it over. I forgot what it was. And Pep was on me all the time. But anyway, he he's on me, and I said to him, I go, hey, like I'm just a rookie. Like kind of like eat that. Like what are you gonna say to that? And I mean, he Bobby Leak happened to be right there, and they both were like. And then Pep's, you know, thick French accent. He's like, you, you no rookie no more. He's like, your 20 games is up. We're here to win the Stanley Cup. And you're a part of that. So that little BS rookie stuff, if I ever hear that again, you know, I forgot. And literally, I was like, damn, there goes, can't use that excuse anymore. <laughs> but right away, we got in there. We were put in a great situation. It wasn't like, uh, yeah, I was disappointed that I, I went that low in the draft because, you know, but it was the greatest thing that ever happened because we got with the team that was gearing to win the Stanley cup. And you have to grow up pretty quick on the ice, like on the, I mean, it was, and, and we were taught, we were taught by some of the best and I'll never forget, you know, uh, Bobby Halik, Randy, and, and even Needs said to me one time, you know, it's, it's pretty easy. And I was like, what do you mean? And he goes, see that guy out there. He was talking about Scotty. He goes, number four, he goes, that when you're hardest, when in Scotty was one of the older guys, I think it was like 36 at the time or 35, I forget, but, but when our captain and one of the oldest guys is the hardest working guy in practice, where Bobby Halik will tell you this, Scott Niedermeyer, where that's the standard I practice to, it was pretty easy right away being a young guy where they were like, that's who you fall on the ice during practice. And, and everyone always says it, well, when you're, when your top player is, you know, who knows if that's true, but to see it live and to actually see that, oh my God, our captain is the hardest working guy on the ice. You fall in the line really quick, really quick. Where you're bringing, and our practices were, I mean, our practices were just, in Maddie's song, there was more action in practice than there was in the games because we were, <laughs> they were also, hard. We were also competitive with each other. Did you ever mouth off to Scotty? Like, did you ever, uh, like, you said something there to Pep, right? And then there's, here's a guy who, Con Smythe trophy winner, you know, one of the toughest guys around. They call him Pep the stinker, as he told me one time. He goes, because I'm like the skunk. I'm a yeah. bit of a stinker. But yeah. uh, did you ever mouth off to Scotty and go, ooh, that, that, that wasn't a good thing? No, I, I told Dano to F off one time, and I'll say that next. But Scotty, the reason why I'm probably sitting here right now is because I never did. And uh, <laughs> But one time, I, I make the team, and uh, and – we're having a team stretch in the morning and I'd become buddies with Randy McCain, Lyle Oderline. They kind of took me, you know, I, I hung out with them a little bit, like before I got to hang out with Jay and them. So I was pretty, you know, kind of close with them. I could joke around with them. They kind of got my personality first and we're having a team stretch and I'm next to Lyle Oderline and Randy and we're, you know, we're on the ground doing some stretch forever. And Odie's joking around with Randy and Odie could chirp with the best of them. And he goes, yeah, he goes, um, Scotty, yeah, this is Scotty's last year. He's going to retire. And I, they're probably joking around. I didn't catch the But I jumped in. And I said, he can't retire. I was like, and they looked at me and they're like, why? And I was like, because I'm not ready to be the captain yet. And they started, and I kind of was like, I think, and I'm just going to say that to them. And Odie tells the whole room that this is like day two, I'm on the team. And I'm like, and I, Scotty kind of looks over at me and, and just kind of gives the like little laugh. And I was like, but no, with dad, hell no, you didn't, you didn't yell at that guy. I mean, 
No way. He and but and also Scotty was the guy. I remember I I, I had a preseason game and I, I messed up pretty bad, but it it, it was gonna be I'm gonna make the team. And I remember after practice, Scotty grabbed me and he's like, Hey, come here. And he took me in the D zone. And he just explained it. He's like, This is what you know, and and, and for him to do that, it was just you know, wow. But but no, you uh I don't think anyone yelled at Scotty. <laughs> I don't think uh I don't think uh yeah, no, I mean he uh and plus the guy was almost, I'm not going to say perfect, but you know, he took his craft really serious and, and for him to mess up or anything there, you know, you know, no one's going to say anything. Uh, I think the first guy to ever yell at Scotty and that set the tone was, uh, was Pat Burns because uh, you know, most of the coaches and stuff, they, Scott, like I said, Scotty was kind of, uh, he was off limits because he didn't really mess up. There was nothing ever to, but I remember Pat Burns, one of the first meetings Pat Burns established himself that, and once once he yelled at Scotty, I mean, what do you think that does to the rest of us? Like, if he's off limits, oh my God! Like, yeah, and uh, yeah, and so that was probably the only guy I ever saw like kind of give it to Scotty Stevens. I I love I loved the Jay Pandolfo story. <laughs> I, I love the fact it's that one, the team, there were so many. Well, the the one where oh my goodness, is Jay going to be able to go out with us tonight? Oh, I mean, yeah, he yeah. just had his face <laughs> busted open, and for those who remember the game, it was incredible, uh, and yet. They were they were obviously concerned with him, but once they knew he was relatively okay, hey, is our bud going to be able to join us, or are we going to be one less uh, tonight? Very funny. I actually wanted to ask him what was more impressive: the fact that he came back for the very next game, or the fact that he went out that night with twenty five stitches in his face. So it's it might be debatable, and actually, I think I kind of know where he probably would lean on that answer, and <laughs> and I might agree with him on that one, honestly. Yeah, or, or he, him or him and Colin White just whacking each other with sticks. At the bench. That was a good one too. That's going to be one of my favorite. Just. <laughs> Two guys just losing on each other. Oh, uh, yeah, like, on the bench, game's going on. There's a timeout, but th th there's a game to be played, and these two guys are going at it. It was a different time. It wasn't all that long ago, but it was yeah. a different time. And I know sometimes we romanticize the past, but the fact of the matter is that was a team that that was a, a group of teams. It was an era where the Devils put out incredibly competitive teams, but so diverse in terms of well, a lot of college guys, American guys, Canadian guys. Uh, they had Europeans in there, but some were more conservative. Some were more progressive. Uh, some came to work every day. Some came to work when the game was being played. And that was most important. You had to compete. It, there was room for everyone. It, it, it was a special time for sure for the New Jersey Devils. Just what a cast of characters that had character that has to be emphasized. Yeah. A quick turn the table on you there, Manny. What was it like covering that team and being around that team? Well, the truth is we were only allowed to get so close as members of the media. I mean, yes, the dressing room was open and you could interview players, but it was a tight ship as run by Lou Lamorello. So, you know, you didn't travel with the team and you didn't see some of those behind the curtain stories that Scotty shared with us. But what you did get to see was a lot of what he did discuss, which is a team that cared, a team that wasn't afraid to tell each other if they were doing something wrong. But it was all about it was all about the victory. And there was something special. And I know we're on the path and fans who were frustrated a little bit. I, I get it going, oh, are we ever going to get there? There is a path that's being traveled by this team. But that New Jersey Devils era was one in which every night they walked into the rink and the other team knew we may win, but we're going to pay a price to do so. And many times they didn't win, but they knew no matter what happened that night, they were going to know at the end of the night that they played 
a New Jersey Devils team. So uh, it was just a fun period of time where you knew you had a chance every night. Yeah, hey, all you want to do is uh, have a chance to win the Stanley Cup. And I remember that every year it seemed like the Devils were, if not a contender, certainly in the conversation of who the team, best teams in the league, who's going to make a run at it. And that's obviously that's great for the fan base and great for, for the sport and particularly obviously for Jersey. But uh, as you said, I think that the character of the team really shined through because you certainly knew they were going to play a certain way, a certain style. They're going to be very disciplined and you knew what you're going to get night in and night out. Whether or not they won the game was a different matter. Obviously, that depended on a lot of factors. But regardless, the effort was going to be there. The discipline was going to be there. And you always knew what you were going to see when the New Jersey Devils either came to town or you went to their barn. No question about it. And they may have been viewed from the outside as nerdish not being able to have facial hair, always having to wear jackets and ties in a certain way that they performed their job. They had to be professional in that respect. And some other teams were a little frayed in some of those areas. But the fact of the matter is they had a lot of fun too because uh, it was all about the winning, but the characters that made that winning possible made for a lot of laughs and stories that, as Scotty said, they still tell and fall back in to when they see each other again. So it was great to spend some time with Scotty Gomez. Uh, I don't even know if he's come close uh, to emptying the tank. I doubt it. There are so many stories there because uh, such an outgoing, gregarious and uh, wonderful guy. And uh, it's been my pleasure to have covered him all those years and and to consider him a friend. Sam, thanks very much for uh, joining us today. It was a lot of fun. On that note, we'll wrap things up on Speak of the Devils. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks to RWJ Barnabas Health for their support. And thank you for listening. We appreciate your company. Until next time, I'm Matt Lockwood for San Fasan. Be safe, be well, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. 